So, Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts to receive your word this morning. And, Father, that you would order my, my words. And, Father, that you would open hearts to receive what you have for us. And, Father, we would receive. Father, we would, it wouldn't be just another meal, that we, even a to-go box that we would eat and then we would go put in the fridge. But, Father, we would, we would come back to it throughout the week, Father, that we would, we would invite you to, to change us, Father, as we engage your word and engage our heart around your word, Father. So, Lord, I thank you for that. And I ask that you would give me just clear thought and clear communication as you speak through me this morning. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today, what God has put on my heart, I was asking, Lord, I said, Lord, well, what do you want to say? You know, there's, it's a big book. You know, the Bible's a big book. There's a lot of words in there. I said, Lord, what is it you want to say? And he said, the Lord just began to ask me or kind of point the question back of, what are the, what are the passions of your heart? What, what am I stirring in you? What have, what have I been stirring in you? So as a, a leader in our, our men's group, you know, we've been talking about um, the attributes and, and qualities of, of just being a, a man of God. But some of these qualities or many of these qualities aren't just to the, our, our specific gender. They're, they speak to who we are as sons and daughters of God. So this morning I want to talk about some of those things, but very specifically the spiritual disciplines of growing into being that man or that woman of God. And so I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to touch on that this morning. I'm gonna, we're going to break a couple of things down. And then I'm going to ask you to search your own heart because we can, we can know what we ought to do and still not do it. So my aim is that we, as we walk through this, uh, this, this morning that we'll, we'll take inventory of our heart and say, God, do I have a heart that hungers for these things? Do I want to be, not just I ought to want to, but do I want to, and I'm willing, am I willing to take action in that? Am I willing to, where am I willing to engage you? Where are you inviting me to engage? So the, the topic again is spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness and holiness. So there is a purpose for, the, for, the, for spiritual disciplines, and it is for, for godliness and holiness. So holiness being as God is holy, right? He is, he is sinless. He is, he is divine. He is, he's, he's worthy. He is um, omnipotent. He's sovereign. That, and he, he desires us to be sinless. He, but because of Christ, we can be that. So there's, there's three terms right off the, the, the cuff that I want to talk about is deci- uh, discipline, a disciple, and discipleship. So I think of discipline is the process by which someone learns something, right? We've all, we all need disciplines, right? Uh, one of our elders, his name is Rod, he's an accountant, and his diploma says he has a, a discipline in accounting. So it means that something, some base level or maybe no level of math was known, but through college and experiences and practices, he, he gained a proficiency or an excellence in numbers, Right? And if he were doing your numbers, you would want him to have that proficiency, that excellence, right? You want him to know where the decimal goes, right? You would want him to, the, he would be able to add the numbers correctly uh, so that you're not dealing with the IRS or you're not dealing with overdrafts or you're not dealing with whatever the fallout of that might be. But there's a discipline. We, and we, can, we all learn disciplines, right? From early on, we, we've learned from elementary school on reading, writing, arithmetic, 
Through the development of, with our parents, we learned obedience, ideally. We've learned patience. We've learned as we go through, uh, as, we, as we mature on, we learn whether you go to college for a, ver- a various degree. Uh, you've, you, we learn trades, right? We've, we've learned skills. But each of these, is a, it's a discipline that we've learned. And if we don't learn a discipline or these disciplines, we, we learn there's another way that we can that we that we will get the discipline, right? We learn from home, home from school. On the like, a, an athlete may learn on the field or in the gym, on the job training. I've learned a lot of things on the job because, my goodness, this is what was needed. And there's no one else. It's me. I'm going to learn, or I have professed that I knew it, only to find out there was continuing ad that I needed. So I, w- I would learn something. And of course, probably all of us have some experience with this. Is the school of hard knocks. So by a show of hands, anyone ever gone to the School of Hard Knocks? Come on, there must be hands broken or arms broken up in here because. (laughs) So I've learned a lot of things through the School of Hard Knocks myself. So the person who would learn that has the discipline or is submitted to discipline is in Scripture, we would call this person a disciple. And a disciple is a student or an apprentice who is learning a skill, a trade, a craft, or a concept from a master, a teacher, or as we see in Scripture, Jesus' disciples, that he was their rabbi, right, as he was teaching them. And it's an interesting thing about rabbis because you can go throughout Scripture and church history. As you speak to someone, you would know who their rabbi or their teacher was based on what, they, what, they, what came out of their mouth, their opinion or their perspective on something, right? Um, so, and then discipleship is the inter- inter- the intentional submission of oneself to the process of being disciplined. So discipleship is needed. Jesus, Jesus discipled, right? The disciples, his, his followers, they went through this discipleship process. So there are some scriptures here. It says all, Hebrews 5, 8 says, although he, Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, right? Here Jesus learned obedience. He had a discipline in obedience, Anyone ever, not my children, but other children, right, that uh, your children struggled with obedience? You ever been in the grocery store and you've seen that three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old down the cereal aisle or the candy aisle and there's an absolute meltdown? Well, if not, good for you. I've seen it. It's not pretty. (laughs) We would say that child needs discipline. Where is that person's mother or their dad, the authority in that person's life, right? So, and ideally that gets taken care of in that, that uh, child's adolescent life, right? So that mom can not just, we can't leave kids in the car anymore, but doesn't need to leave him, in, leave him at home. Or she doesn't have to schedule a life that she can go to the grocery store without him because the, the children have discipline that she can take them to the grocery store. She can do life with them with her or him. So, the idea that Jesus, right, here he is, he's, the, he's perfect, right? He's the, he's the Lamb of God. He's, the, he's God come to earth. But Jesus, in his humanity, had to learn obedience. So I'm thinking if Jesus had to learn obedience, we probably have to learn obedience. And not just in our little me, not just young me, but 52-year-old me, right? There's challenges in my adult world, right? I see with my kids... That as they're going into college and they're doing different things, there's an obedience. There's a discipline 
and a variety of disciplines that they have to adhere to, they have to submit to, or they're not going to get their college diploma, right? They have to make their car payments or they don't get to keep their car, right? You make your mortgage payment, the discipline of going to work so you can make a mortgage payment, or you don't get to keep your house, right? There's these, if we don't discipline ourselves, right, or submit to discipline, society or a bank or a an agency of some sort will discipline us, right? The aim as a parent is I want to discipline my children with what, they, what is needed for them to be successful in this life and have the disciplines, as we're going to talk about, to be successful in the next life, right? That they are not just earthly prepared, but they're eternity prepared. So that is our aim. But if we don't discipline our children or we don't possess these disciplines in our youth and in our adolescence, the world will teach us, right? It doesn't, we don't go, whew, I finally made it to 18. Now I'm, a, I'm, I'm void of any development, right? So we continue to do this. I was thinking when I was going over this yesterday, I was just thinking about our Saints Alive group. I'm wondering if there's any Saints Alive that go, man, I finally made it to the Saints Alive group. There's no more discipline needed, no more sermons needed, no more Bible study needed. I've arrived. Do we get this even when we retire? Anyone who's retired here, we go, whew, Jesus has no more expectations of me, right? I'm living in that sweet spot. I'm still alive. He has no expectations of me, and I'm just waiting on the by and by. No, right? There's these challenges. There's these places where God's calling us to grow, to mature, to develop. He's always sanctifying us. I don't know if you all have taken note of our, new, our scripture here on the wall. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We need to be sanctified. He's always in, inviting us, I'll say, to sanctification, right? And we can go through these times where we go, hey, I, I, there's not anywhere that I'm being tested or tried right now. I will tell you, enjoy those moments because there's a new trial coming. There's a new opportunity to grow, to develop, to be tested in our character so that Christ can come and reign supreme in us and that our neighbors, our community can experience the Jesus that's in us right? So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? He, he, he learned obedience by what he suffered. We're going to learn obedience. We're going to learn, uh, have character built in us. Hebrews 12, 11 says, for the moment, all discipline, all discipline, not some discipline, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, right? I don't know anybody who's gone through a discipline and goes, man, that was a piece of cake, unless they've already possessed it, right? I've got kids that have clepped out of different classes uh, as they've entered college, but it's because they already possess the character or the discipline that's, that's, that's needed for that class. That's one thing. They had to learn that somewhere, right? I don't know anyone who's gone, I don't possess that. It was so easy. I just, I snapped, I woke up with it, right? So, but it says, but after, or but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I'll ask this question, the peaceful fruit of righteousness, who gets, to, who, who gets that? Who gets the benefit from that? We do. It says, but later, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We get to experience the peaceful fruit of that. I do, you do. If you're in a position of leadership or as a, as a husband or a spouse, everyone around you does. Have you ever been in an environment where the, the person in charge didn't have discipline? That's rough. Right? I can tell you, as a person that uh, married in my, my late 20s, there were some disciplines that I thought that I had. I thought I was mar- ready for marriage. 
but I didn't have. I had a great work ethic, but I didn't have the disciplines to balance work, marriage, family, church, community. So what I did was I worked harder. I could measure my success over there. Right? I didn't have the disciplines that were needed to be the husband. I was terrified. There was a lot more words and a lot more questions, a lot more tears, a lot more emotions, right? Um, that we went from dating, right, to, to this relationship that was, it, wasn't, it was no longer this, this pursuit of each other as much as it should have been. It was just different. You know, I was in an environment I didn't know, I wasn't familiar with, right? At 29, I had dated a lot. I, don't, I didn't have a lot of marriage experience. So I needed, I needed help there and I needed the discipline. I needed to submit myself to somebody or somebody's to walk me through, to talk me through, to disciple me in how to be a good husband, how to be a good dad, how to be a good friend to my wife, right? So when that happened, and since Heather's not here, I can tell you I've, I crushed that now, okay? <laughs> I mean, one of the many things I've mastered I'm kidding, of course. Um, but as that, in 23 years in, I believe that Heather would say that I've gotten better at that. That I've, I've grown in some disciplines there. I've grown to be intentional. There she is. She can definitely give me a thumbs up. I'm, hey! <laughs> that I am, that in 23 years, I believe that I, I'm better at that. I believe that my kids would say, well, in fact, I've heard from my, my older kids. They'll say, well, the three younger kids are growing up with a different dad and a different mom, right? Because then we didn't know what we were doing. We were very strict, very structured, very micromanaging, if you will. Where these other, the other kids are going, ah, they'll survive, right? <laughs> they'll make it or they won't, you know? I'm just kidding. They're all making it. They're, 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 they're doing great. But as we've learned some things, we've been able to relax. We've been able to go, hey, here are some proper boundaries. Here is a little high control. So it's taken some disciplines on our end to learn to be better parents. So Luke 640 says, a discipline is not a, a disciple, excuse me, is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So I don't care if you're sitting in a college class. I don't care if you're being trained in in a, in a trade, if you're not taking another day to the best you're going to do is match or meet your teacher, your professor, that, that person, that, that trainer, that discipler in you, right? Now you could pull off other resources and add to your knowledge beyond the, the instructor, but it's enough for us, and especially in reference to Jesus, right? That if we could just be like our teacher, right? There's nothing that we're going to add to the life of Jesus that we go, okay, I'm possessing everything that Jesus possessed plus this. Yeah, we're not going to do it, okay? It's, it, one, it doesn't exist. So the only thing that we would be bringing to the table there is self-righteousness, right? And, and, a, and a deception that we have, we've lied to ourselves. So as we, as we talk today, I, just, I meant to bring this up earlier. There's two resources that we're, we're going to use. Obviously, God's Word. I'm a big fan of the ESV. So the scriptures that I've read and will read are out of the ESV. And then my handy-dandy new book that I'm reading. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. 
So some of what I'm going to, we're going to, as we're communicating, I'm sharing with you guys this morning, is going to be out of this book here. So a wonderful book. Uh, we're not going to cover the whole book. Um, right? Um, but we are, there will be opportunities down the road because Cornell and I are going to be working through this book, um, whether it's here from the pulpit or as we do small groups and classes because we believe that these spiritual disciplines are super important. Right? We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So this book, it's written by Donald Whitney. And Whitney identifies seven disciplines that when we faithfully practice in, these, in, the, in the disciplines, that a disciple's life will develop the essentials to live a life of relational godliness and holiness. The key word there is relational. Right? We can do a lot of things. We can possess a lot of knowledge, a lot of mental content, and miss God. Right? I can tell my wife all the right things. Right? We see this in, in fact, in Revelations we see Jesus refers to one of the churches. He says, you're doing all the right things. You're saying all the right things. You're doing all the right things, but your heart is far from me. Right? Relationally, everything that we're doing, it's to grow in relationship with him. Right? It's, that's the desire. That's the, his desire. That's what he redeemed us back into himself for, is that we would be in relationship. We would fellowship with him. And not just talk at him and him not talk at us. But again, like marriage, we're face-to-face. We're communicating. We need to know the heart of, right? To connect, to be fully known and completely loved. That's the relationship that he wants with us. That's what we were redeemed into. So as, I, as I've looked in these disciplines, there are these seven disciplines, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk through them really quickly. We're not going to park there. The first one is the intake of God's word, of just literally consuming God's word for the purpose of increasing our knowledge of God and for the conforming into the image of Christ. We have got to, this has got to be our aim, right? If we're, again, if we're just taking on information for information's sake, we've missed it. Not so I can just tell someone, quote, about Jesus, right? As we've talked about in different groups here, it's about our testimony, right? It's that I can share my testimony of what Jesus has done in my life. This is where I was. This is where Jesus showed up. This is my life today because of him. I'm no longer a slave to sin, right? I'm going to cover that here in a few minutes. But as we look at the different ways that we intake God's word, we, from hearing God's word, that's right here, right? We can hear God's word as we come to church on a Sunday Sunday morning, uh, we've got those groups this evening. Uh, if you're here and there's a class, I promise you God's Word's going to be involved in it. Right? That's the anchor of New Covenant Fellowship. Secondly, is outside of the church here, is reading God's Word. Very important that we are uh, we're making ourselves available. As, as Dale has said on numerous occasions as in our men's Bible study and in other uh, venues, that we take the time to make ourselves available. We say, God, your Word is everything. I'm so saturated by this world, but God, I need to know about the kingdom to come. I need to know about this thing, this relationship with you that we've been called into so that the world's not having an impact on me, but Christ in me is having an impact on the world, right? That's what we're called to. So we, we get that by reading God's word. It's, there, you know, as we read, again, that's just, it's going over. We're, we're thinking about it, but then there's this next step. And, it's the, and let me back up and say, this is on y'all's sheets of paper in your seats. But it's not just reading God's word, but we move into studying God's word. So I know when I'm studying God's word, the way that I, my particular process of this typically is I'll take a a book of the Bible 
preferably one of Paul's smaller letters. And I'll read it three times. I'll read it the first time just to read it. So I get a, what is Paul saying here? Right? Then I'll read it a second time. And the second time I will jot down some notes or I'll highlight some things or mark some things in the margin or in my journal and go to, to ponder later. Then the third time I read it, I read it with the intent of, I'm really focusing on those scriptures that were highlighted to me and the things in my margin. And I'm saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? And out of that third time come these action steps or this intentionality of, I have a responsibility to do something with this rather than going, well, glad I wasn't living in Corinth at the time. This is a pretty hard letter, you know. Thank goodness I'm in Stillwater and there's no letters to Stillwater, right? So, um, so no, the aim is that I would read these letters and say, man, what's the meat of this thing? What's, what are you saying to me, God? How do you want to transform my life? How do I need to be disciplined? Where are you sanctifying me? Where is this word causing me to, to, to reflect and to, are you calling me to change, right, or to submit? So we move from studying God's word to then, it's going to sound crazy in today's world, we're going to memorize God's word, right, that we, we take this on and we can say, hey, I know that scripture. I know John 3.16, I know, but we take on this with intentionality, this discipline, not because it's not available in my phone and my phone's always with me, but my phone's not my heart, right? right? Even carrying the book around, if this was my Bible, even carrying it around, this isn't my heart. But I read it, I do, I memorize it, I, I'm, I'm eating it. Like I think of John, you know, in Revelations, eating the scroll, <laughs> you know, that I, I make it a part of my life so that when my mouth, when God says speak, his word is in there and it comes out. And it transforms. As it's transformed me, I'm sharing my testimony or I'm sharing something and I'm inviting God's word to transform somebody else, right? So, and then we go from memorizing God's word to meditating on God's word. And what does meditating mean? It's, we're not doing yoga here with, with scripture. So what that means is, for me at least, is that sometimes it means I'm turning off the radio when I'm in the car or I'm taking some other action. I'm, when I'm mowing the yard um, or I'm doing, if you're in the gym, just a quiet place. I, I'll, sometimes I'll go downstairs and I'll just I hang on to God's word. I'll take the, my journal and see the things that I've written out of scripture and I'm meditating on that and saying, God, what do you want to do with me here? And I just hang on and I hang in that place and say, not just your script, your word, God, but by your spirit, what are you saying to me? I meditate there and I make myself available for God to speak to me. And all of this for the purpose of action, right? So that's the first discipline. That's the most important discipline, I would tell you, right? Because sometimes God wants to talk to me, but we don't have the same value system, right? If I don't know God's word and I'm not in God's word, I don't have a lot of context to talk to him about or even more importantly, to listen to him. I can bring to him all my issues, all my problems, say, fix this, fix this, fix this. And he says, man, the solutions to all those things and more, Johnny, are in, in the word, Get in the word, right? And I go, no, 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 I don't need all that. I need you to fix it. <laughs> just make the pain stop, right? Kind of like we do when we're sick, right? Just give me something to make the pain go away. Maybe I'm going to die of cancer, but you have anything that while I'm dying that makes me feel better, right? No, he says, hey, I want to take care of the cancer. I want to take care of what's ailing you. Get in the word. That's what's actually going to heal you. That's where you're going to see what needs to be dealt with. This is what's going to transform you. Get in the word, so, so from there we go to prayer, right? And we know what prayer is. It's a 
two-way conversation, right? Not just here's my prayer list, God, and ring the bell or give me a buzz when it's been taken care of, right? No, it's a two-way conversation. And many times I can tell you, I want to talk to God about something in prayer, and God wants to talk to me about something. He says, hey, we'll get to your list, son. Here's what's on my list, right? So in that place of prayer, I can say, Lord, this is going on and that's going on. The Lord says, hey, 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 I hear you. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about your attitude, right? I was, I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, and as I worked through conflict in my marriage, right, God says, hey, I want to talk to you, but you need to go apologize to your wife, or you need to go apologize or repent to your kids for that attitude or this or that. And I go, I'm good. Thanks, though. And God says, well, then Scripture says that the, then, you know, it says the heavens are closed to me as a husband because of the way that I'm treating my wife. Right? So I have to come in and say, maybe I don't want to make peace with my wife, right? but maybe I, not just maybe, I do need that open heaven between God and I. So in an effort to open that, I will go and apologize to my wife. And what I found is when I submit to that with the Lord, he actually does change my heart to one of repentance, right? That I have to come in and say, God, what you have to talk to me about is way more important than what I want to, what I want to talk about. And what I find is when I'm in his presence there, his priorities become my priorities. Many times that list that I brought is no longer a list. It just, God, here are my carnal things, right? Here are what I think are the, the issues. And he says, well, your real issue is your attitude or your perspective. Let me remind you of the scripture. And if you'll let the scripture uh, do the work that it's supposed to do in your heart, these issues won't go away. Or they will go away, excuse me. Um, you know, I, I often say this in counseling. You, you, we hear these things, or I look at these things every my, over my own life, and then I'll hear the Lord say, what's the common denominator in all these? My attitude <laughs> or my something, right? And let me tell you, I don't really want to hear that from my wife or my kids or my employer, right? But I can hear that from the Lord, right? So, and it, from that place there, he... He makes the, uh, make myself available in this discipleship relationship for him to make the adjustment. Sometimes it comes from my, blo- my boss, right? Right here at New Covenant. You know, Cornell and I have conversations, and he'll say, hey, there's a lot going on. I think if you look at this, here's a root issue here. Maybe if that changes, a lot of these things change, right? So, but it's, we find that in prayer, or I, I find that in prayer, in that fellowship, right? We, we use the word prayer, but it's really it's relationship. It's, it's communication between God and man. So, and we have that by the Holy Spirit, right? He says he will not leave us as orphans. We're not, when Christ left, they go, I don't see Jesus. I don't have access to Jesus anymore. He said, man, it's good that I go away because in my, in my absence, the Father's going to give you this gift of the Holy Spirit. So, by the Spirit, he talks to me, right? He communicates to us. His Spirit and my Spirit, they, they commune. And whether that's conviction, whether that's encouragement, whether it's guidance, it's counsel, the Holy Spirit does all of that and more for us. So it's in that same Holy Spirit that when we get into worship, right, this worship right here that we go, man, that moves me. It moves me to my knees. It moves me to lift my hands. It moves me to this place of, reminds me that there's the, I have this God who cares for me. I'm reminded of his faithfulness to me. I'm reminded of him freeing me from the bondages of my life. And I can't help but worship. I can't help but lift my hands. I can't help but uh, give him the adoration, the respect, the honor that's due him. So we, one of the disciplines is worship and being intentional to show up in worship. 
right? Because we, can all, we could all come in at 1030, right? We could. But, God, I can't wait to get in your presence and worship. There's something that's, that happens in corporate worship, right? I can sing, and I don't sing well, but I can, I can kill it in my shower, and I can kill it in my car, right? I mean, you wouldn't believe how well I sing there. So God is pleased with that. Man, not so much, but God is pleased. So, but there's something that when we get together and we worship that, that God does, there's, he, he's pleased, right, in the, when the, we get together and we lift him up. We declare the goodness of him and we express our gratitude for him, to him for him. So we have that. We have evangelism, right? As we mature in these disciplines, when I see that God's done, done these amazing things in my life, I would tell you it's not a duty. I can't help at times share the good news, right? Evangelism is the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, the good news, right? So whether I'm in Walmart or I'm in my counseling office or we're, we're, wherever I am and I see someone in trouble or I hear of their, of, their, of their need, I go, hey, I know someone who can do something about that, right? That's evangelism. Evangelism is sometimes it's just loving someone. It's give them a hug. It's saying, man, Jesus loves you. Right? There's hope. Can I, can you, do you need to borrow my hope today? Are you hopeless today? Can you borrow my hope? Let me tell you what my hope is rooted in. Right? We need to be able to communicate these things. This is, this is part of the disciplines that we would know what we're rooted in and we have it to give away. It's not just enough for me. Right? There's enough hope in me that I can give it away. In fact, the more I give it away, the more I have of it. It's a, it's a crazy thing that, that God's done, right? So it's a different kingdom, right? It's an upside-down kingdom. His kingdom is. In this kingdom, it's gather all you can and share none of it, right? And his kingdom is give it, and it'll be given unto you, right? The last will be first, right? It's, it's different. So we engage God there, and we, I, I want, I can't help, not just I want, I can't help but give him away. So we move from evangelism to serving, right? A lot of service goes on in this church, right? From first impressions to our, our team in the back here, thank you guys, our worship team, stuff that goes on during the week. There's just service that goes on, but not just here in our community, right? I'm reminded of scriptures that talk about if you're forced to go one mile, go with them too. We're serving someone, right? I often think about this in Scripture. What must that conversation look like, that second mile, when you're freed? You know, the, the, the man or the woman was freed to, to go on, and they say, no, I'll walk with you a second mile. I think that conversation, like, what the heck? I forced you to do one, and in that second one, I bet there's a lot more conversation. There's a lot more, why would you do this? Why would, in today's world, why would we even stop to help someone on the side of the road? Why would we help someone who's hungry? Right? Why would we care what's going on in the cubicle next to us as we're hearing our coworker crying? Or we're hearing a conversation over the phone that's sad. Right? In, in, in our, the world's economy, who cares? Right? Hey, that sounds like that person's got some personal issues. Maybe I've got a leg up on that promotion then. Sounds like they can't, their house is falling apart. Right? Those are all opportunities to game something and promote ourselves. Right? But in God's kingdom and in these disciplines, we're called to Lean into my person, that person in the other cubicle. To care for the person on the street. To see need and say, God, what would you have me do about it? How can I serve into that situation? Right? These are disciplines. And the discipline is to make ourselves available because, God, it's not my time, it's your time. Right? Because you're the Lord of my life. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. 
So God, what do you want to do? So, and we're going to move on to the next one is fasting, silence, and solitude. Those sound wonderful, don't they? Anyone love to fast? Maybe go fast, right? I'd like to get in Steve's car and go fast, but no, I'm not, you know, actually I do kind of like fasting, but um, I don't do enough of it. Um, but fasting is where we just literally, we separate ourselves from food or coffee or something. And we say, God, instead of feeding what my, this vessel wants today, I want to feed on you. I want to feed on your word. I want to take that time and be in solitude. I want to stay silent. I want to weigh every word before I speak, or I want to communicate, find other ways to communicate so that I can, I can honor you this way. And it's an interesting thing as we think about disciplines in this, because I do some work over at Teen Challenge, and sometimes the, the men there get in trouble because of words that have come out of their mouth or attitudes that then come out of their mouth, and they'll go on a word fast. And it's interesting that they have to walk around with a dry erase board and everything they need to communicate, they have to write out. That sounds like it'd be a long day, wouldn't it? They have to do it for 30 days. 30 days of not opening your mouth except to put food in it. So, and I think, man, Lord, that would be so trying, right? They're in an environment where they can do that, right? Because they're not, they're not at a job where they have to talk. They're not, they're not in, in environments where they can be set, I should say, in environments where they can do that. But the idea that we would discipline ourselves to even weigh out our words before we think or before we speak, right? We'd have to think them and then go, let me communicate them. I tell you what, I could become, a, I could get shorthand real quick, right? Or I would say, here are the important things, food, belly, hungry, you know, <laughs> thirsty. Um, so kind words like please and thank you would become real gifts, right? So, so we've got that. And then journaling and learning. It's a, the last one here in these disciplines. And to me, journaling and learning are that I'm possessing something. Anyone here still struggle with two plus two is four? Okay. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> no, we've learned that, right? But there's this place of being committed to still learning. So that we're continuing to learn. I, I mentioned earlier that as saints alive, they don't finally, they haven't gotten to this place, Right? No, we get to that place and we celebrate people getting to that place at their funeral, right? That they're, they know the Lord and they're now ideally walking with the Lord. But their time here on earth, their sanctification process is over, right? Until such time, we're being sanctified. So in that process of sanctification, it's journaling. As I mentioned earlier, it's writing down as I'm engaging God in Scripture and I'm reflecting on that. And I'm saying, God, I want to be a lifelong learner. That's the big thing here is that we're committed to being lifelong learners. And saying, God, is there anywhere else, and there always is, that you want to work on me? Is there anywhere else? What's that next place that you want to refine me into the image of Christ so that when others come in contact with me, that they run into Jesus? Right? Because that's the aim. Christian means little Christ. So wherever we are, I want someone to run into Christ in me, not me. I know what a hot mess I can be. I know what my flesh man, I know what the, the, the battles of my mind are, right, of, of attitude and self-indulgence and self-righteousness, all these things. But, God, I don't want that to come out of me. I want you to sanctify me so Jesus comes out of me, right? The, the same Jesus that has transformed my life, I want him to come out so 
I can give or gift someone else with that same gift. So as we look at these, these spiritual di- uh, disciplines, if you'll notice here that they're all activities, they're not attitudes, right? An acti- activity being that we have to engage them. There is an actual physical step. It's not just mental work, if you will, right? Because he wants to engage our hearts. So there's intentionality in it. So that's the activity side of it. And that, that they're practices, right? This is something that we do, and it's a, the discipline of doing over and over again. I could introduce a little kid to 2 plus 2 plus 4, but it's in the repetition of that, the practice of that, that it becomes rote, that they have it, they possess it, right? And then what happens? We build up on top of it, right? We're going to move to the threes and then the fours and the fives, right? As a coach, you're building, we build upon this, knowing that we're going to build on this, on top of this, and this is what he's doing, right? So that we are, we're going to run out of time before we run out of things for him to work on. So, but that's the aim, and that we're committed to the practice of this. The aim of developing or maturing in spiritual disciplines is for us to grow in Christ-likeness and to, the experience, to experientially know God, right? That when he engages me, he goes, man, you're looking a lot like your eldest brother, Jesus. I want to hear that from him. I desire to hear that. I'm committed to hearing that. So when God redeemed us back into himself, he did so because he wants an intimate and personal relationship with us, right? That's the aim. It's not just, again, to to take possession of the book, but it's to go, I study the book so I get to know you better so that I can relate with you more, right? That's my aim with my wife. Would I give God any less than that? No. I'm going to go to the giver that gave me this gift. I want to engage him there also, right? I want to, I want to know him. And he designed me. He purposed me. And when I spend time with him, he reveals that purpose for me, right? And many times in disciplines, there is that we have to answer the why question. Why am I being disciplined? Right? What's the point of learning guitar strings, chords, if I'm not going to play the guitar? If I can't put them all together to play a song? Or same with a keyboard or another instrument or um, learning how to drive but never driving. Right? What's the point? Better spend your time learning how to use the Uber app. So, but no, there's a point to, to why we're having, we, we exercise these spiritual disciplines. It's for fellowship with him. So the why is because I am called to be holy, right? First of all, I'm called to be holy. You and I, we're called to be holy. Two, I'm called to mature up or grow up and to develop into the image of Christ. This is his expectation from my conception, right, was his aim, his purpose for me. He said, you're going to be born in a sin nature and in with this natural bent towards sin, but I'm going to develop you up. I'm going to mature you up through trials, through struggles to into the image of Christ. And I can tell you for me personally, it's my deepest desire to please the one who saved me. And I mean, save me as in I was destined, my eternity was supposed to be hell, right? That's Satan's plan for everyone in this room, right? The enemy of God hates God and I've probably, I've said this to, to several people before. If you really wanted to hurt me, I mean, you could punch me in the face, but if you really wanted to hurt me, long-term hurt me, hurt one of my kids, right? Because I love them. I'll put up with things in my own life that I would not accept for someone to do in my, to my kid's life. 
right? Equally, if not more, to my bride, right? I know conversations even with my kids. I say, hey, you may be able to talk to your mom that way, but you're not talking to my wife that way. Twist your mind around that. I know, it's weird. So, but there's this place, this possession that it's your mind. God says, I'm his. So he's, he's passionate about us. And what he has saved me from, what he, what he keeps me from, what he is protecting me from, what he is, he, he's literally freed me from bondages. I want to give my life back to him. I want to express my gratitude. Right? And it's not just a once, thank you. It's this life, right? This great exchange. You did this for me. Here's my life. That's what he says, right? He doesn't come to me in addition, okay? Here you go. Now you're good to go. Go, go run off and, and be the foolish, selfish individual that you were, you've always been. But now you've got this fire insurance card, right? No, he says, I'm going to be the Lord of your life. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in you. And so Jesus in me, right, learns discipline by what I suffer, so I'm, I'm committed and submitted to this. And in that place of fellowship with him, as I'm exercising these disciplines, he's revealing my true identity, right? My, my purpose. And I don't know if anyone here is walking in their purpose. I know when I'm walking in God's purpose for me, I'm humming. I am, sleep is a, a minimal requirement at times. It is, there's a joy about what I'm doing. It's, it's not that it's not tiring at times or laborsome, but it's, it's holy work. It's fulfilling. I'm contented there, even in the trials, even in the fatigue, even in the conflicts, because I know that I'm doing what he's called or he's, he's ordained for me to do, right? And that's different for each of us. He doesn't have, he doesn't want robots. He doesn't want everyone to be a Johnny, right? Thank goodness. Easy, Christy. <laughs> right? But he has something for each of us that he wants us doing, engaging and fellowshipping with him. I have a different relationship with each of my kids, right? But they're all wonderful relationships. It would be hard. I mean, I already have chosen, but it'd be hard to choose the favorite one. <laughs> Jaden grew up with, we were going to continue to have kids until we had the perfect child. <laughs> Welcome to the baby of the family. <laughs> so... So my question this, this morning as I'm, I'm winding down here is, the, what's your why for the spiritual disciplines? What's your why for connecting with God? Is there a why for you? Is that something that you want? Is this something that we want? Am I submitted to, say, to, to the presence and the purpose of God to say, God, transform me? What is it you desire of me? Not, what, not this is what I desire and this is how you can bless me, God. Hey, but God, here I am. What do you desire of me? You're the one that has made eternity with you possible. I couldn't do that. Right? The smartest me got me in bondage. Right? Not just was I born in sin. I found new ways to sin. Right? Even as I tried to dig myself out of sin and trouble, I just dug myself deeper. But God, you've done this. You made a way in Jesus Christ. I give you my life, right? And we, I believe, if you haven't, I want to talk to you. Give your life to Christ. It's, it's a great exchange. He's going to take your hot mess and give you an eternity and a pathway towards a quality of life 
Not a pain-free, not a a struggle-free life, but a quality of life and getting to know him in this exchange. So if, if you don't know him, I would love to talk to you. But I would tell you, those that I know that do know him, I would tell you, revisit the why. And then and revisit the, am I walking that out? There's a place for us to say, God, I, I'm not being disciplined. Or I'm not, being, I'm not disciplining myself. I'm not submitting myself to discipline. I'm resistant to discipline. But I invite your discipline. I need you to discipline me, right? Scripture says that he disciplines those that he loves. And again, I don't think that's as much a spanking as it is his, him imparting something to us. He's imparting the, the character, the attributes of Christ in us. Because we live in a world that is, I'm just becoming a better me, right? Even as we become more like Jesus, I'm just becoming a better me, right? And what do I do with that? Well, we don't do anything with that because that's not the aim. I'm not becoming a better me. I'm, I'm submitting, I'm dying daily to my flesh, right? So that I can serve to the purposes, the will of God. Because I'm called to be an ambassador, right? An ambassador goes and does something for another, to represent another kingdom or another country, right? I'm called to represent as an ambassador of Jesus Christ a different kingdom. So I'm not supposed to be sitting on the sidelines on my couch or in my studies just working on me, right? It's God, Christ in me is doing something so I can be a better ambassador of him. God, my aim is to serve you, your will, your purposes. So I'm asking you this morning, would you search your heart and say, God, I want to be a better ambassador. I invite you to come, to come do work that only you can do. You bring the conviction where there needs to be conviction. You bring that tenderness that I would bring my flesh under submission and submit to you and say, God, I invite your, these disciplines, these spiritual disciplines. I want to re-engage there. So I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord. Father, we need discipline. <laughs> Father, I would tell you, we, in, at least for me, Father, as the associate pastor here, as an elder here, Father, and as I, I know the heart of Cornell and I know the heart of our, our elders, Father, we want discipline, Father. We want to be men of discipline. We want to be a church of discipline, Father. We want to be a city on a hill that says, man, you can grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ right there at New Covenant. They will walk, they will go the distance with you. Father, that's our heart in our men's ministry. That's the heart in our women's ministry. Father, that's our heart in our our young life, our youth, our children's ministry. Father, we want to be developers of men and women that know you, that are committed to doing your business, to doing your bidding, Father, to be ambassadors here in Stillwater, Father. And that, Father, like we've done before, Father, even as we prepare to have this missions conference, Father, we're ambassadors have been sent out from here, Father, all over the world, Father. That, Father, we would be committed to doing that, Father. To be in your hands and feet here and abroad. Father, that starts with us individually saying, don't let me send someone else. But God, search me. What What do you require of me? What do you desire of me? So, Lord, I'm asking that you would search our hearts. Father, you know better than we do. Father, 
we can, our, we can be deceived on what's in our heart. But Father, we ask that you would search our hearts and you would reveal to us, Father, where we need these disciplines. Father, where we're, we're pulling up short. And Father, we would, by your guidance, by your leading, by your Holy Spirit, that we would remove anything that has become an idol and we would put you back on the throne of our lives, Father. That we would engage you and say, Father, minister, change me. My posture is this of submission. I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I want to be that young man. I want to be that young woman. That's living out your purposes, not my purposes here on earth. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you are well able to do that. And church, I just invite you, if, if that's you and you, you need to talk to someone, I'm here, Heather's here, our elders are here. Um, on that sheet of paper is my phone number. You can text me, you can call me. I, I will promise to engage you and then to, to get you in hands, in the right hands of someone else. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you that uh, even as we're engaging here in this moment and doing business with you, Father, that there, there are other action steps that can be taken. And that's that you would lead us in that way. I pray all this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Guys, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to, to give you what God's stirring in my heart. I hope that you will let this continue to stir in your heart. He desires relationship with us, more relationship with us. He wants to be on our hearts when we wake up. He wants to be on our lips when we wake up. He wants to be on our lips when we're going to bed. He wants to be at our, on our lips when we go to West Haven today, right, Steve? <laughs> when we do men's group and women's group tonight, I invite you to come and do that. We'd love to connect with you. Love you guys. God bless you, and I hope you all have a wonderful afternoon. I'll see some of you all again later. Bye-bye.